Okay. Um, Romans chapter 7, we're starting a brand new series. The title of the series on your study sheet, The Battle for Our Emotions. The Battle for Our Emotions. Um, this is an interesting topic. Um, one that's very common. One that a lot of people are interested in. Uh, by the way, if you need a study sheet, hold your hand up for just a minute. Mr. William is coming around with those. Um, one that's very, uh, I think, very practical. Let me tell you some of the, the topics we're going to deal with. Um, we're going to start today with a foundational message um, about the war that takes place within us. Next week, we're going to talk about how to be prepared. Uh, and then we'll actually get into the actual emotions, or you may call them feelings or attitudes or whatever you call these. But um, let me tell you some of the ones we're going to deal with before we're done. And this is by no means an exhaustive list of emotions or feelings that we deal with, but these are some of the more common ones. Anger. We'll talk about that. Um, interesting fact about anger. All of these are not necessarily sin or bad. Jesus was angry. Paul said, be angry and sin not. So the, there's some... There's some interesting twists to some of these. So I don't want you to just assume that these are all bad things. But there is a certain way to deal with them so they don't become sin or the cause of sin in our life. So we'll, we'll talk about that. So we're going to deal with anger, um, envy, and jealousy together. Uh, we're going to deal with that. Inferiority and low self-esteem. This is a, a, an emotional problem that is probably more common than most people realize because most people who are like this don't want anybody to know it because they feel inferior. So they usually don't talk about it. So, but it, it's a very common problem, and God has a wonderful answer to it. And, and we'll talk about that. Depression, which is the result a lot of times of some of these other ones. Loneliness. Um, and in our place in life, as singles, this is more common. But it's not just among singles. You can have people married in large families that feel all alone. And so we'll deal with that. Anxiety and worry. And I know none of us struggle with that. Um, guilt. Guilt is probably one of the most powerful tools Satan uses to rob you and I as Christians of our peace and our joy and victory in our life. And you'll find when we get there, a lot of guilt is our own fault. We're not really, we have no reason to be guilty. We just create this in our own mind. So we'll talk about that. And then finally, grief. If you've ever been in a place in your life where you are grieving to the point where you either thought or said something like this, I just can't take it anymore. We're going to deal with that. What does God say we do about all these things? So... In order for you and I to be able to handle these things as a Christian the way God tells us to, so that these things actually help us in our life and they don't hurt us, there are a couple of things we have to talk about first. And so that's what we're going to do today and next week. So let's start today by talking about the war within. The war within. Romans chapter 7 Look with me at verse number 14. The Bible says, 
We know that the law is spiritual, but I, Paul says, am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. Now hang with me, here's the tongue twister part of the passage. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin, notice the next phrase, living in me. Verse 18, I know that nothing good lives in me. That is, and he clarifies, in my sinful nature. Now, let me stop right here for a second and explain that. So hopefully you can kind of understand what Paul is talking about. Paul is dealing with the fact of the law that was given to us by God to teach us what sin is and what it looks like. Paul says, for example, in Romans 7 and verse 7, if it wasn't for the law... I would not have even known what sin was. For example, I would not have known that coveting was a sin if the law had not said, thou shalt not covet. So Paul says the law is a good thing, but what the law has done now is it's kind of exposed in my conscience and in my mind that I'm not really a good person. I'm not as holy and as good as I thought I was, Paul says. Now remember, Paul was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was a doctor of the law and thought by doing all these things, it made him good in the sight of God. He is now admitting that even though I knew what I was supposed to do and I knew what was right, I really didn't do it. That's what he's talking about here. So he makes a statement in verse 18 that has to be clarified for one main reason. He says in verse 18, look at it with me again. He says, I know that nothing good lives in me. All right, now, here's the question. If you are a believer, does the Holy Spirit live inside of you? Yes. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, I will give you another comforter. The world can't know him because they don't know him. But he will be with you and will be in you. Paul said, what? Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which you have, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price? Therefore glorify God with your body and with your spirit, which are God. He says the Holy Spirit, which lives in you. So, if the Holy Spirit lives in me, then why would Paul say that nothing good lives in me? Is the Holy Spirit not good? Is the Holy Spirit good? Yes. Okay. That's why he clarifies his statement. He says, nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. Apart from God and apart from the Holy Spirit, there is nothing good in me. When you and I were born, we were born like that. With a sin nature and that's it. That's why he says in verse 14, the law is spiritual, Paul said, but I'm unspiritual. Do you know why he said that? Because on my own, apart from God, 
We are unspiritual. We are spiritually dead. There is no spirituality about us. That's why salvation is also referred to as regeneration or remade alive, so to speak. When we get saved, God gives the Holy Spirit to us and makes our spiritual self alive by the Holy Spirit. We are regenerated. We have new life. We've been born again spiritually. Okay? Paul talks about we were dead in trespasses and sin. And by the way, he says we were all that way. So what Paul is saying is, apart from God, we have nothing in us that's good. God is the only thing good about us. Okay? So I want you to understand that. It's very important to understand this war that's going on inside of us. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, Middle of verse 18. For I have the desire to do what's good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but what? But it is sin, that sin nature, living in me that does it. Paul says there's something inside of me. There is a part of my nature that is bent towards doing wrong, and it's all it wants to do. Paul later on described the fact that the natural man, the unsaved man, doesn't submit to the law of God, doesn't want to submit to the law of God, and never will submit to the law of God. Ever. We all have that part in us. Everybody's got that. And unfortunately, until we get to heaven and we are made like Christ, we're always going to have that part in us. It's always going to be there. So whatever this war is, it's going to go on until we get to heaven. All right? So let's keep going. <clears throat> Verse 21. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Where? Verse 22. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner the law of sin at work within my members. Verse 24, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from the body of death? Paul said, apart from God, I have realized, because of the law, I am a wretched person. There is nothing good about me. What is the answer? Well, he asks the question, who's going to deliver me? Look at verse 25, and he gives us the answer. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's the answer. There's nothing about Bill Crockett that's good, but God is good, and so is Jesus, and God offered Jesus to me, so when I accepted Jesus, he came into my life, gave me the Holy Spirit, and gave me his righteousness. There's still nothing good about Bill Crockett, but there's now something good about Bill Crockett's life, and that is Jesus that lives in me. And that's the same thing true about you. There's nothing good about us on our own, but if we have Christ and the Holy Spirit, that is good about us. So we can now live and have a good life because we have him. Okay? Notice what he says. He says, so then, latter part of verse 25, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature I'm a slave to the law of sin. He is telling us there is a battle. There's a battle. There's a war that goes on 
inside of every one of us every day of our life. In dealing with our emotions, this is the ultimate issue. I will tell you this, and, and we'll talk more about it later. It does not mean that there cannot be medical or physiological problems involved as well with emotional issues. For example, anyone who is addicted to a substance. There's two issues here. Number one, there is a medical issue. There's a physiological issue where chemically the body has become addicted to a substance. That is medical and biological. That has to be dealt with by a medical professional who can deal with the physiological part of that problem. However, that is not the ultimate solution to the problem, which is why many addicts go through detox only to become addicts again, because the real issue was never dealt with. The real issue is whatever was going on inside of them that caused the addiction in the first place. That also has to be dealt with. If you do not deal with both, then you do not solve the problem. So, what I'm saying is, the answer to every emotional problem is not some demon that has to be cast out or some supernatural spiritual issue that if you just deal with the demons, then everything will go away and you don't need the doctors and you don't need medicine and you don't need physical or biological health. That's foolish. That's just foolish. However, it is just as foolish to think that shocking and drugs and pills will solve the whole problem. That's foolish too. Okay? So, everybody with me? You understand what I'm saying? There's a balance here. We've got to have both. This is the main issue. If we don't understand it and deal with this, we're in big trouble. Okay? So, let's keep going. Let me share with you real quick today. Uh, we only have about 15 minutes or so. There are four things about this inner war that I want us to understand. Okay? Let me give you these things real quick. They're all found in Romans 7. Number one, this war within us is an inner war. It is not a physical war. Paul said, I'm battling something that is in me. It is in my inner being, he said in verse 22. <coughs> when I was playing football, there was one thing about the opposition. If I was stronger and faster and smarter, I knew what to do to take care of the opposition, and I could physically do it. I was running back when I was in high school, and if we were playing a team that had defensive backs or linebackers that weren't as big as me or weren't as strong as I was or weren't as fast as I was, I knew how to whip that opponent. But I could use my physical ability to do that. This war, you can't win with physical ability. This war, I can't win by myself. It's an inner battle. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, and next week we'll be in this whole chapter in Ephesians 6, but in Ephesians 6 and verse 12, the Bible says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Our battle is a spiritual battle. It's an inner battle. It's not a battle where I can grab the enemy, punch him in the face, and get rid of him. So I cannot use my own abilities to do this. Number two, it's common to everybody. Romans 3.23 says we have all sinned. 
1 John 1, 8 says, If we claim not to have sin, literally a sin nature, then we deceive ourselves. We've all got it. Okay? So first of all, this war is an inner war. It's not one we can set the enemy up here and just punch him. Okay? Number two, it's a spiritual war. Verse 14, Paul said the law is spiritual, but I'm not. Since it's a spiritual war, number one, God must be involved if I'm going to have victory. Apart from God, I'm not spiritual. So if it's a spiritual battle, I've got to involve God or I'm never going to win. That's why when addicts try and overcome addictions, apart from God, it ain't going to happen. They can detox chemically, but emotionally, the problem that caused it in the first place ain't going away. Only God can take care of that. Okay? The second thing is, in this spiritual war, I need to realize who the enemy is. Now, I wish we had time to go through all three of these. We don't, but let me give them to you and explain to you why they're our enemy. Number one, in James chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, the Bible says the world is our enemy. As a matter of fact, James says, You adulterers and adulteresses, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Those that are the friend of the world are the enemy of God. Now, what is he talking about? I mean, does that mean that if I love earth, and I love the United States of America, and I love the oceans and the mountains and the God bless America, you know, does that mean that I'm the enemy of God? No, that's not what he means. What is he talking about? In 1 John chapter 2, the Bible defines for us what the world is. In 1 John 2, 15 through 17, God tells us when he says don't love the world, he is referring to a philosophy of life, not a physical planet. What is the philosophy he is referring to? That he says, if I'm a friend of this, if I'm sympathetic to this, if I am in agreement with this, then I'm the enemy of God. 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17. The Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. What are the things that are in the world? For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abides forever. What is the world's philosophy? Number one, the lust of the flesh. What my sin nature wants. The stuff Paul was talking about in Romans 7, where Paul said, there's something going on inside of me. He called it evil. He called it sin. And he said, this evil and this sin inside of me is what is causing me to do the things I don't want to do. To do the things I know are wrong. So the lust of the flesh is nothing more than living my life by the philosophy, if it feels good, do it. Doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. If I want it, I'm going to do it. That's the lust of the flesh. Number two, the lust of the eyes. If I see it, I'm going to get it. David walked out onto a roof, looked down at a house, saw a naked woman taking a bath named Bathsheba. He saw it, he wanted it, and he took it, and he committed adultery and murder. That's the lust of the eyes. Everything we see, we can't have. And everything we see is not right. Number three, the pride of life. The dog-eat-dog world. i got to get what's mine. And buddy, when it comes down to you and me, it's just me. 
That's the pride of life. Don't care about anybody else but me. And the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, that kind of attitude, pride, goes before destruction. It's no wonder that that describes the philosophy of the world. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, the Bible says that Satan is the god of this world. He's the one who propagates this philosophy. And his goal, John 10.10, Jesus said the thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. The pride of life, pride goes before destruction. The devil's a pretty smart guy. Now I want you to think about all the TV shows and commercials that you've watched in the last two days. How many of them in some form propagate one of those three things, if not all three of them? Almost all of them. Now, does that mean that everything that's on a commercial is bad? Of course not. Does that mean that everything in life that's nice is bad? No. Does that mean if there's something I want, a new car, that it's a sin if I go and and buy that car? No. That's not the point. It's a philosophy. If I'm going to buy that car, I want to know, God, is it right for me to do that? Financially, is that a wise decision? Not, I don't care if it's a wise decision. I'm going to do it just because I want it. That's the difference. And people go nuts because they go to extremes. They think that to be a good Christian, you got to be a pauper. Because if you like things and you get them, oh, lust of the flesh, you just sinned. That's crazy. That's why it's so important we understand the Bible. Satan's purpose is to draw us away from God. He has propagated a philosophy that the Bible calls the world. And God says, don't become the friend of that. Don't get caught up in that. Because it will destroy you. So, the world, the flesh, we all know what that is. That's our sin nature. Galatians 5, 16 and 17 says that that battle goes on every day in our life. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and our sinful nature, they battle for control of our life. That's that part of your life when there's something you want to do and you know it's wrong, and the Holy Spirit is sitting over here saying, Bill, you shouldn't do that. And my flesh is saying, Yeah, but it sure would feel good. It sure would be nice. Boy, you'd sure look good in that. And the Holy Spirit says, don't do it. You know you shouldn't do that. There's the war. Now I have to decide who I listen to. That's what the Bible is partially talking about when it talks about our lives being controlled by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, do this. My flesh says, do that. If I'm controlled by the Holy Spirit, then I do what the Holy Spirit tells me to do, not what my flesh tells me to do. If I do what my flesh tells me to do, my life is not controlled by the Holy Spirit. It's controlled by my flesh. And that will ultimately lead to destruction in my life. Okay? Then, of course, there's the devil. There's an interesting fact about the devil. 1 Peter 5.8, Peter said, Be sober of your vigilance, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walks about, seeking whom he may bless. Is that what it says? You know it's not. Seeking whom he may promote. No, seeking whom he may devour. John 10.10, Jesus said he wants to kill, steal, and destroy you. He told Peter, Satan wants to have you so he can sift you like wheat. 
He ain't your friend. He don't love you. He don't want to make your life happy. He wants to destroy it. But in order to get you to listen to Him, He's got to make us think He wants us to be happy. He's got to make us think these things will make us happy. This will solve my problem. If I just had this, oh, how I would be happy. Wrong. He's a liar and the father of it. So, we've got three enemies in this spiritual battle. The world, our flesh, and the devil. And we are bombarded by all three of them every day. So it's an inner battle. It's a spiritual battle. Number three, it's a mental battle. A mental battle. In, John, in Romans chapter 7, verses 21 through 25, he talks about the mind. I want you to notice something. The main battlefield for our emotions is our mind. As a matter of fact, the main battlefield for control of our life is our mind. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse number 5. Verses 1 through 9 deal with this, but because of time, let's just look at verse number 5. Romans 8, verse 5. Those who live according to the sinful nature, we talked about that. Those who live their life listening to the sinful nature, not the Holy Spirit, have their minds set on what that nature desires. The word set there just means focused on. So the people who don't want to listen to the Holy Spirit, but would rather listen to their sinful nature, you know what they do? They focus their mind on those kind of things. That's what they think about all the time. That's what they listen to all the time. That's what they watch all the time. That's what they read about all the time. This kind of person watches, listens, and reads the things that propagate the world's philosophy sometimes Hundreds of times more than they'll ever open a Bible or listen to a Christian song or go to a Bible class. Stop and think about this. What percentage of our time that we feed our minds is spent on things of the sinful nature versus things of the spiritual nature? What percentage of our time is spent on that? It is no wonder we have believers who can't ever get victory in their life. When 90% of our time is focused on all the stuff the devil wants us to do, and that's what we're constantly feeding our mind on, we can't expect to have victory when that battle comes. And the sinful nature says, Oh, you know this thing you've been reading about and listening to and watching and thinking about for three months? You sure would look good in that. Oh yeah, and by the way, you know that lesson you heard in Sunday school three weeks ago, which was the only time you've been in the last six months? That says you probably shouldn't do it, but I mean, well, that's not important. Man, this is, this is really where I'm at over here. I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist or a Ph.D. to figure out who's going to win that battle. Satan's not an idiot. He's pretty smart. It's a mental war. It takes place in between your ears. Whenever I'm coaching sports, especially with my own kids uh, or with, with young men um, and young women, I will tell them at the beginning of every season, 90 to 95% of every athletic event is played between your ears. Only 5 to 10% is played physically. You can take the greatest athletic, gifted, ability person 
and cause them to lose their cool and beat them. 90% of the battle of life is fought right here. And I tell my ball players, if you lose it here, you've already lost out there. Spiritually, we lose it up here, we've already lost in our life. It's a mental war. And then finally, it's an ethical war. Paul said in Romans 7, 7, the law is good, it's holy, it's righteous. This is a war over right and wrong. It's an ethical war. It's not a matter of preference. It's a matter of right and wrong. Am I going to live my life doing my best to do what's right? Or am I going to live my life doing what I want to do, whether it's right or not? What is the highest level of priority in my life in decision making? Right and wrong or what I want? So, when we start talking about anger and loneliness and low self-esteem and depression, we've got to understand the real battle is going on right in here. And it's a spiritual war over right and wrong. And there's a lot of things involved. Now, in closing... Take your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 6 real fast. Ephesians chapter 6. Look at verse number 10. I'm going to give you a little bit here. Just read something and we're going to stop. Because this is where we're coming next week. Okay? In order to win this battle for our emotions, I've got to realize there's this war going on inside of me. So, so it, it, it's real. Number two, I've got to be prepared for it. If I'm not prepared, I lose. doesn't matter if I know the battle's going on or not. You take a football team that doesn't prepare and put them on a field with a team that's prepared and they're dead. They're dead. Okay? Um, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Remember, I can't win this war without Him. It's a spiritual battle. i got to have Him or I don't win. So if I leave God out, I might as well not even try. Next. Put on the full armor of God. So if I've got to have him, here's what he's telling me to do to make sure I'm prepared. Put on the full armor of God. Why? So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Against whatever it is he's trying to do to win this war within me. I've got to be prepared. There's something I'm supposed to put on. And if I don't put it on, I'm not going to be able to stand against the devil's schemes. Then he says, verse 12, because our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Is a spiritual battle. And that's why we need the armor. Verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. And then in verse 14, he starts describing this armor that we're supposed to have on. Next week, we're going to go through every piece of that armor. I'm going to explain to us what it is, how that is supposed to look in my life right now and find out whether or not we're really prepared to fight this battle. Because if we're not prepared, we've got to fix that first before we start tackling anger and all these other things. We've got to have this first. Okay? Father, thank you for your word. Use it to change our lives. In Jesus' name.
Amen.